Pastor Xavier Reese reminds you of all ages that with freedom comes responsibility. The caution given is that young people must give an account to God for the choices and decisions that they make in life. Remember, choices bring accountability and responsibility and consequences. Very important. The choice is ours. Evil if we yield to our sin nature. Good if we yield to the Spirit of God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. As parents, we struggle with our own day-to-day issues, but with the added pressure of maintaining a Christ-like example, not just for anyone who we might come in contact with, but probably even more important is the example we set for our children. Well, for those who find themselves all too often in a moment of weakness reverting to the proverbial proverb, do as I say, not as I do, you're in good company, as we see the wise King Solomon had many regrets of his own. Here's our teacher, Pastor Xavier, with today's Simple Truth study from Ecclesiastes titled, How to Live Life. Let's listen. Solomon is approaching the end of his experiment and search through man's wisdom regarding those things that are set to bring fulfillment and satisfaction to man under the sun. This is the one who does not know God. This is the one who lives apart from God. The one who is chasing fulfillment, success, satisfaction through the many things the world offers. So far, the evidence that Solomon has given regarding the vanities of life that are supposed to promise so much but fall so short, and in fact, they often bring much hurt and destruction, is quite disappointing as to their claims. He's gone right down the line one after another, and he says, emptiness, no good. This isn't it. Therefore, Solomon turns to direct himself to young people who are the ones who are most taken in by the claims of the world and often spend an entire life investing in wrong things. It is amazing how Jesus did not pick a bunch of old Pharisees to be his 12 disciples. He chose young men. Every movement in the church that has had any real impact has always been through young people. God gets a hold of young people and turns their life around. That turns society around. That affects lives for a whole generation. That does not mean that God gives up on old people. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about old people. It means that God is looking and he's, re- he's hoping to reach the youth. Even Hitler knew that if you can grab a hold of the youth, you can control the nation, even the world, he said. And he's right. Well, God declares the same thing. Because he wants you as a young person to enjoy life to the fullest. Instead of adding to your hurt and bringing severe consequences. And so... In view of this, Solomon gives a threefold counsel to young people about living life. Let me read the text. We're going to go from chapter 11, verse 7, all the way to 12, 8. Truly the light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. All that is coming is vanity. Rejoice, O young man. In your youth, 
And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all this, God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near, when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut and the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low. Also when they are afraid of heights and of the terrors in the way when the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. In view of the snares and the deceptions that are in life, Solomon turns to the young people and he gives a threefold counsel about living life. First, he tells them that young people are to rejoice in life. Verse 7 through 10 of chapter 11. Secondly, he says young people are to remember God throughout life before old age. Verses 1 through 5 of chapter 12. And then thirdly, young people are to realize all will die in this life. Verses 6 through 8 of chapter 12. Let's look to the first of his three counsels. First, young people are to rejoice in life, verse 7 through 10 of chapter 11. Life in its own creative beauty is breathtaking. Light is pleasant to the eye as the sun radiates its warm and it breaks through the day and it warms the earth and the flowers. You've been through one of those nights where it's been dreary and stormy and all of a sudden, you know, you wake up and you see that sun shining through the shades and you pick it up and oh it's just beautiful and everything's so clean and, and crisp and, and 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 it's just an awesome sight. Light is the sign of a new day, a new beginning. Light is the necessary element for life. Life cannot exist without light. It's impossible. Notice secondly in verse eight, life is a contrast to death. We've seen this continually, right? If the man who lives apart from God may live long and enjoy all the days of his life on earth, he has no knowledge of the state of those after death. And there are people like that. You've met them. You've heard them. Maybe you were one of them. And when people say, you know, I've lived a good life and, and I'm ready to die, I, I have no qualms. And they're not saved. And you're just going, you don't understand. They're serious. They have no idea. 
And because they've had a pretty well, pretty good life here, and they've, they've done pretty well, and, and they're thankful for all that's going on, they, they figure, you know, I, I'm ready. Because in their mind, they think, well, you know, if there's a judgment, I'll make it because, you know, I've lived a pretty good life, and I've done pretty well, and I haven't been such a bad guy. And, 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 and it's the wrong perspective. No idea. The man is to know that the days after death are many more in relationship to the ones spent on earth. No idea. They never end. They go on and on and on. The days of darkness refer to death. Job 10, 21 and 22 says, Before I go to the place from which I shall not return, to the land of darkness and the shadows of death, a land as dark as darkness itself, as a shadow of death without any order, where even the light is like darkness. Now remember that the Old Testament was very short of the full revelation. It was limited in its information about life after death. Uh, it just tells us that the people went to Sheol or the grave, which meant the place of departed spirits, and that's it. There's not much detail given, not till we get to the New Testament. So when Job is speaking, when Solomon is speaking, they're giving the full revelation of what they knew, and the only thing they knew, that's all God had revealed. Notice secondly in verse 9, the exhortation to enjoy life. He says, the command is to enjoy life in one's youth. Youth is a time of innocence, being ignorant of so many of the evils in the world, but certainly not the absence of sin nature or without the potential for evil. Because we have a potential for good, but we have a bent towards evil. Even the little child that you bring home from the hospital, just hours, it shows you it's sin nature. When that baby wants food at 3 in the morning, that baby don't care you just got five minutes sleep. Youth is a time when one is looking to models for life. You're trying to figure out which way, who is really the right one, and, and you're looking around, and you're trying to walk and talk and think and, and live after the same of those who you feel are right. Now today, youth have no heroes. All their heroes are perverts and degenerates. Where are the Lone Rangers, the Supermans? Even Disney's gone wacko now, right? You say evil's good and good is evil today. Youth is a time of living carefree from the adult responsibilities and pressures and stresses of life, and rightly so. Too many children are placed under great pressures and stresses that are the responsibility of adults, and adults lay it on them. And because of the makeup of our society, some of these things are inevitable because of irresponsible adults through the decisions and the conditions they've put themselves under. And therefore, the children are the one who pay the price. Youth is a time of discovery, learning, growth, and development. It's exciting. Too many children and young people are robbed of all of that today. Youth will in many ways model and shape each of us in character. And unless God transforms us, woe to us, our families, and the world. Notice the counsel is to enjoy life with all our senses, still in verse 9. Let your hearts cheer you in the days of your youth refers to the emotions. The word cheer means to be glad or pleasant. 
God desires for a person to experience life on the emotional level. As he or she laughs, you get excited about some anticipating trip or, or, or some date or something. Nothing wrong with that. You have a good time with some friends. God wants us to enjoy life. Nothing wrong with it. Some Christians think that if you laugh or you have some fun, you're kind of carnal. Well, that's not the case. It's what are you doing that you're having fun? Then I'll tell you if you're carnal or not. He says, secondly, walk in the ways of your heart. This speaks of the lust of the flesh, our desires. The word walk means to traverse, to go about. It speaks of progress. The word ways means impulses, habits, the course of life. God has created man with some basic drives and desires that are not evil or wrong in and of themselves. Some of these are needful to sustain life as well as to continue the human race, such as hunger, the hunger drive you need to eat, the thirst drive, the drive to sleep, the sex drive. But you take them out of their context, you abuse them, then they become perverted. They become wrong, being taken to be used outside of the design of God. Certainly all of these can and are abused and perverted in our world because, as I said, they're used apart from the design and purpose of God. But if you will take these things and use them for, for God's glory and use them as they have been designed and purposed, you will be the recipient of the best fruit of your life. You will be the first to partake of the benefit and then those around you. That's important. Notice thirdly, he says, walk in the sight of your eyes. Refers to the lust of the eyes. The eyes are the windows of the soul. I hope you realize that. The eyes cause the mind and heart to be stirred up after what is good or what is evil. And then a longing takes place with the goal to obtain. Jesus says, if your eye be single, your heart and your body is full of light. But if it's dark, great is that darkness. The eyes allow us to appreciate the beauty of creation, the diversity of kind and color, and allows us to choose what is appealing to us. God has given us the power of choice. I mean, we don't all like the same car, right? We don't all like the same kind of clothes. There's variety. Somebody might look at and say, boy, well, he is good looking. So, oh, boy, he is ugly. We're all different, right? Variety, perspective. Now you say, why is Solomon telling this? I mean, young people don't need to be encouraged to walk this way, but notice. The caution given is that young people are to know that for all these ways to experience and enjoy life, they must give an account to God for the choices and decisions that they make in life. Therefore, he tells them there, God will bring you into judgment. Know this. But know this. So it's almost like Solomon saying, well, you know, let your heart cheer, walk in your ways, walk in the side of your eyes, but remember. So the young person say, oh, wow, okay. Then, then they understand that choices bring accountability and responsibility and consequences. Very important. 
The word but is a contrasting conjunction, which implies that um, the bent of man's choices on all these different um, experiences in life can either be experienced for good or for evil. The choice is ours. Evil if we yield to our sin nature. Good if we yield to the Spirit of God. The person who will bring each person into judgment, mark it well, is God. He is all-knowing. Nothing escapes him. Hebrews 4.13 says, All things are open and naked with him with whom we have to do with. Nobody will stand before God and say, Wait a minute, you don't have all the information. Wait a minute, Lord. Hang on. Let me call Jimmy. Hang on. No. All the information is there. No mistakes on Judgment Day. He is perfect in wisdom. He cannot err. Now, whenever you and I make a decision, sometimes we say, well, I don't know if I agree with him. <laughs> when God makes a decision, you might say that, but it doesn't matter. He's perfect. Nobody's going to be all bummed out in hell saying, oh, I can't believe God gave me a bum rap. There's not going to be people striking in heaven trying to overthrow God or anything else or in hell. I guarantee you. He is able to cast body and soul into Gehenna. The Bible says, fear him. Because they both belong to him. Notice thirdly in verse 10. The prescription to enjoy life is given. He says, in view of the fact that all will have to be judged for their choices, one should make the right choices. It's very obvious, very simple. The common conclusion is to remove sorrow from your heart by what? Recognizing it. Recognizing. The word remove means to turn aside or to depart from. And the word sorrow means vexation or provocation. The clear implication is that sorrow at times in life can be avoided instead of being brought on by, by one's choices or lifestyle, right? Now, we can't escape all sorrow, all vexation, because we don't have control of everything, right? Sometimes people make decisions and they affect us. Sometimes things happen and we have nothing to do with it. But for the most part, we have things that we can kind of avoid, right? Because we recognize, hey, that, that's no good. And we move on. The sorrow of heart wears on a person throughout life, bringing them to despair and no hope. Our world is full of people like that. Our society is full of people like that today. The person is to use the opportunities of life and make choices in view of how these choices will affect their lives in the future. Their husbands, their wives, their children, their families. How many of individuals have regretted their lives? And though God's grace is sufficient, and surely it will be sufficient, the enemy is there to condemn us, right? So we need to walk. It just makes it a little harder, doesn't it? But again, God's grace is sufficient. Are the present choices that promise so much now to you? Are they as attractive, you think, down the road as time passes? Will they become a blessing or will they become a heavy weight to your life? You have to recognize the danger. What will it bring? Travel down that road long enough and look at it far enough to see what will come of your choices, young people. Who are you giving yourself over to? Mentally, physically. It will affect your mate in the future, yourself. 
your children. You need to think about it. Notice also that in view of the fact that all will have to be judged for the evil deeds of the flesh, one should put away evil. You see, these, these instruments, these, these hands, this body, they can become instruments or weapons for edification to save people, or they can become weapons of destruction to myself and to others. These hands can serve God and help man, or these hands can beat people. This mouth can either edify people and help them and pray for them, or it can curse them, gossip, and blaspheme. It's a matter of choice. But see, we live in a society where no one's responsible, right? We had no-fault divorce, now we have no-fault life. Not so. For the most part, every one of us is responsible for the choices we make in life. We try to blame people, so now our parents are the ones that get bashed. They're the ones that get all the junk, right? And so this whole movement of having to go back through your past and, and then it's not your fault because you're a victim. Now we understand there are some things that happen to people that the exception, that they are victims. But for the most part, I would say 99.9 .9 of the decisions that you and I make and are affected, we were co-participants if not initiators of what we've happened. We are responsible. We cannot escape it. The physical body is not sinful in and of itself, but it is the sin nature of man that uses the body as a vehicle to accomplish the desires, the passions, and the impulses, be they good or evil. You know, if you pick up a pen and you write some dirty words, don't blame the pen. You throw it down, dirty pen, I can't believe it. I grabbed it and started doing it. No, no, no. Who would believe you? That goes to show you the hole in the philosophy of you're not at fault for what's happened to you or what you've done. How many parents have been destroyed today in this generation because of their children? Because of this whole philosophy? It's nothing new. In Jeremiah's time, they said, you know, our parents ate sour grapes and our teeth are on edge. <laughs> Same thing. Nothing new under the sun. Not my fault. Oh, yes, it is. It's all your fault. That's the first step of salvation. It's all my fault, Lord. <laughs> I am guilty. The ability to remove and put away implies the way of escape by trusting and depending on one's creator. So he calls the youth, listen, turn to me, depend upon me. That's your only hope. Without God, you will never make it as a young person. The world is too attractive. The world is too powerful. The world is too deceiving. The world is too alluring. And its philosophies seem to pat us on the back and to exalt us and to focus the attention on us and not God. Someone put it this way, from age 1 to 21, a person is doing what someone tells them to do. From ages 21 to 65, a person is doing what they have to do. And from 65 on, they're doing what they want to do. That's the perspective of the world. As Christians, we are doing what someone is telling us to do all of our life, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do it out of love because we have to and we need to and we want to and we do it because we want to fulfill His will. It's a whole different perspective.
Young people are to rejoice in life in view of future judgment. Good advice. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing some important simple truths and life lessons from the wise King Solomon from our series of studies in the book of Ecclesiastes. And we've left just enough time to let you know how you can obtain your own copy of this message titled, How to Live Life. And by the way, there's much more to come on our next broadcast, but we'll combine everything Pastor Xavier has planned to share all on one CD. We just ask that you send along $4 to help cover the costs. The title, once again, is How to Live Life. You can request yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station, however you get in touch. This is helpful information as we monitor the impact of our radio ministry. Solomon says life without God is vanity, and life with God? Well, more on living a life with meaning and purpose on the next Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope you plan to be back. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 